So today's podcast comes from a curriculum that I put together called Now Fly that I would often teach to young women in between the high school experience and the college experience. Ideally, you know, that summer in between. But, you know, sometimes I'd vary from that. But that was the age group that I was aiming for initially. But I think this podcast will certainly do some good for those beyond these years. It's in a section of the Now Fly curriculum called How to Keep Men from Making You Short-Sighted. And the theme verse is 2 Timothy 2, 22 and 23 that says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So this will be a three-part series. And in this first part, we are going to really just explore what God says on the topic of purity. The scriptures are the inspired word of God. There is a lot of external evidence to prove that. Part two of this series will be a very brief podcast called Is It Love or Lust? And then the third and final part of this series will be called The 18 Things to Do When Men Make You want to be short-sighted. So here we go with part one, what God says about purity. First of all, God says, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I mean, if that's not motivation enough, what experience could possibly top seeing the face of God? Worth it. God says in 2 Timothy 2.22, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Think about the words flee and pursue. I mean, what do those imply? An urgency, right? And then also, I think when it says with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, that implies that you can find others who will accompany you on this grand pursuit of sexual purity. The next verse is Titus 1.15, where God says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience is defiled. I will do what I can to not become an expert in cutting-edge evil. Also, this verse inspires us to rise above the kind of kidding where something innocent can be taken two ways. To the pure, all is pure. But to those that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Laugh at the clean jokes. Don't laugh at the dirty jokes. 1 John 3.3 says, And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Purifies himself shows the endeavor to be an ongoing process, to be worked toward hour by hour. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourselves an example of those who believe. So build yourself a good reputation, not for your own glory, but for the God who invented spiritual beauty. Find the person that you know who has used his or her youth to be an amazing example in all five of those areas, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, and spend time with people who have that kind of beautiful spirit that will rub off on you. First Timothy four sixteen 
through 5.2, God says this about purity. Pay close attention to yourself. Persevere in these things. For as long as you do this, you will ensure salvation both to yourself and those who hear you. Appeal to the older women as mothers and the younger woman as sisters in all purity. This is Paul's advice, of course, to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And it shows that our interactions with one another should feel like family. Psalms 119, 9 through 12 asks this question, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word, with all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Think about what all my heart looks like in practical terms in comparison to half my heart. I think it looks like consistency, right? Consistency. When God has your whole heart, your behavior proves where your heart is. Proverbs 20 verse 11 says, it is by his deeds that a lad distinguishes himself if his conduct is pure and right. So even the very young are noted for their goodness. The next thing that we'll look into that God says about purity is in Romans 13, 13 and 14. It says, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. So don't make being good any harder than it needs to be. And we'll talk more about this in part three of this series. So stay tuned. The next verse is 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles do who do not know God, and that no man transgressed and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Wow. Each person must discover for himself or herself how to keep his or her mind and body honorable. Figure it out. There are specifics unique to you that you need to put up your own walls and your own boundaries to protect that sacred thing, your purity. Galatians 5, 19 through 24 mentions several things related to our purity. It says, among the deeds of the flesh, it says they are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. So all of those relate to purity. Then he goes on to say, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that phrase, crucified the flesh, wow, that shows that God knows how difficult it is to turn our back on the pleasure of this wickedness. Yet, he was crucified for you, and he expects in return the far less painful spiritual crucifixion 
of your own sinful desires. There'll be some practical ideas of winning that battle again in part three of this series. The next verse is Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. It says, Now this I say and affirm together in the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in your spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. How do you think callousness happens? I mean, think about that. Callousness happens when you tell yourself lies or you slowly adjust to living with the guilt of sin until the guilt finally just kind of goes away. Do not let your heart become callous by sin. Keep it tender. Have that tender conscience. That's what you want to cultivate. Our next verse, Ephesians 5, 1 through 13, says this about purity. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. So let's talk about this one. I mean, it talks about not even letting those things be named among you. That shows that when we choose self-control instead of self-indulgence, it does the whole congregation good. It does the whole body of Christ good. And this exposing the deeds of darkness is best done according to the steps of Matthew 18. You know, you go in private to a person and say, don't destroy yourself. Do you see what your behavior is doing to your soul? And if that person says, get lost, you know, and there's another witness, bring the two of you go and say, please, please, please don't hurt yourself this way. Your soul is eternal. And if they're still like, get lost, the end of Matthew 18 tells how that scenario needs to lovingly end. And that is the entire congregation reaching out and saying, please, please, please. So, 
Let's de-escalate drama by following that pattern um, when we fill our obligations to expose the deeds of darkness and not go and talk to other people about other people's deeds of darkness behind their back. That's how you'd want to be treated, right? It's disgraceful, this verse says, to even speak of the things that these people do. I mean, that reminds us to change the subject. When inappropriate topics come up, just change the subject. Do not become an expert at knowing exactly who, what, how, when, why, the ins and outs of the dark things that people do. Be as a child in these areas. So Colossians 3, 2 through 6 is our next verse. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, like the parts of your body, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Colossians 3, 2 through 6. You do yourself a favor, this verse reminds us, when you make an automatic mental association between the wrath of God and the five forms of purity mentioned here in this verse. They were immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed. Those are all connected with the wrath of God. The next verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.22, which simply reminds us to abstain from all appearance of evil. So we don't even want to pretend to be evil. You become what you pretend to be. So dress in a way that even a stranger can tell who you are. And the next verse is 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 that says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have of God? You're not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Abortion promoters, get a load of this. It turns out that it's not your body after all. And you know what? If you're against abortion, the best way to fight abortion is to promote sexual purity. I mean, talk about one way to put all abortion clinics out of business where there's no fornication, where there is wise family planning. There is no more abortion debate. Proverbs 11:22 says as a ring of gold in a swine's snout so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Wow, there's a lot of beautiful women out there who are lacking discretion. There is nothing cute about being shocking. I know it's trendy. There is nothing cute in the sight of God about being Shocking, because a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. And you've got to admire Job. In Job 31.1, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. What a different world it would be if every man made this covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I mean, we'd feel much more safe, I can tell you that. So Job made a formal commitment to not be a dirty old man. Sometimes that's what it takes. It takes like a formal covenant. These are the kind of older men that make younger women most 
comfortable. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you may be able to endure it. So look for that way of escape. Look for it sooner than later. Get out of there as fast as you can, like we read before. Flee immorality. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I mean, like a body that heals from an injury or disease, God can renew our minds to purity if we are willing to sacrifice short-term pleasure for long-term bliss. I encourage you to do this. My last verse today is Acts 3.19, and it encourages, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When we repent, such opens the opportunity for God to wipe our sins away and refresh our life. So I realize that many listening to this podcast today have not kept themselves sexually pure. God says that he will wipe away your sins. If you have not been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to do that. You can have a fresh start, and God will look at you after your baptism as pure and clean as the day you were born. And God forgives us if you have been baptized and then you became entangled in the sin of fornication. Again, God says when we repent with our whole heart, he says that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. So you are not designed to carry this burden of guilt. Let him renew your spirit. Let him renew your mind and renew your commitment to sexual purity. I pray for your success in this ambitious endeavor.